Hi there. Welcome to Good, Great, Wonderful, a podcast that tells the stories of people who are contributing good, great, and wonderful things to the world. See this as your weekly dopamine fix. I'm your host, Grace Rouvray, and I personally want you to have a better day. So here's a story. Brooke Light stumbled into her photography career completely by accident. But a casual photo shoot with her niece started a revolution. All wrapped around the intriguing question, what happens if you let people smile only if they want to? And suddenly the mini moody session was born and Brooke went viral. Over the course of this interview, I kind of fell in love with Brooke a little bit. Her positivity, her energy, her aspirations are infectious. When did you get your first camera? Oh, my first camera. That is a great question. So that would have been in uh, college. I'm going to age myself right now. Um, <laughs> was 2007 uh, when I got my first camera, but it was a complete amateur thing and I had no idea what I was doing with it in any way. Well, you, did you grow up like loving disposable cameras or like where, oh. where did that passion kind of come from then? Yes. And I'm also about to embarrass myself. So let's have a moment of silence for my teen uh, self. I was obsessed with pictures back in the day. And I was the kid that from floor to ceiling, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, floor to ceiling, window to window, every square inch of my walls were covered with uh, disposable Polaroids. You know, disposable camera, you go, you take them, you drop them off, get the film back, check it. I had them everywhere. And so I, like now, hindsight is a funny thing. And you look back and you say, oh yeah, it was there. It was there from the beginning. So this was very much a passion when you were starting, when you were at college. When did you start? pivoting this to a career? So when I first picked up that camera, it was a gift and I just dabbled. I enjoyed taking pictures just of family and friends. And then it kind of became this thing where I was like, you know what? I kind of like this. I might do it on the side. And so I did a few weddings back then. Um, I did some photo shoots with families and small kids back then. And I loved it. It was great. Lots of uh, what you would call very traditional family photos out in a field, did did all of that. And it was really great. Uh, But we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, not too long after that. And when I got to this area, the market was like a thing and it was huge. And it was very intimidating for someone that has never taken a class, never did anything professionally beyond just those photo shoots that I did for people that I knew. And it was really overwhelming. And the imposter syndrome was very real. And I was like, nope, you know what? I'm going to set this down. That was a fun little season of life. And I did not do anything with photography. I didn't even own a camera for decades. And I did not pick up a camera again until the pandemic actually. I was let go from a small marketing agency that I worked at um, due to COVID layoffs. And uh, I had a candle company actually message me on the internet. And they were like, we love this picture that you took of our candle. Can we use that photo as a promo uh, piece? And I was like, sure, of course. And then they messaged me back a little later and was like, hey, how would you feel about trading? Would you be willing to do this? I didn't even own a camera at the time. I took all of that first set of photos on my phone. So that's get started. Just do it. That's my advice to photographers just starting. It's so fun. But, um, and I picked it back up. And how did they find that, that photo of your, the candle that kind of kickstarted it all off? 
Yeah, um, they're they're called Sparta Candle, and they uh, I bought it because they were adorable, and I loved everything they were about, and I just took this picture and put it on my own Instagram because I loved it, and it smelled great, and I was like, this is so wonderful, check them out, you know, because I love supporting small businesses, yeah, and they were like, oh my gosh, this is great, can we use it, so the rest is history, I still do pictures for them, they're my only product client that I have left. Oh, that's that's so special. Um, yeah. So you did your first mini moody session with your niece, Ruby. Mm-hmm. I've got to know, did this happen by accident? Did she not want to smile in photos or did, had you been kind of thinking about this idea for a, a bit of time and you used her as your test subject? So I was doing product photography, had tons of clients. I really loved that work and it was great, especially during the pandemic because everything could be sent to me. But I was, there was something uh, creatively missing. There was an itch that wasn't being scratched. And I was like, um, I'm, I want something to challenge me. I want something creative to do. And so I, uh, she was visiting in town and she is just a whole vibe and mood herself. And I was like, oh, she would be perfect. I, I kind of want to play with that moodiness a little bit. And so I sat her down and I showed her pictures. I was like, we are going to make you look like you're out of a magazine. How do you feel about that? And she was like, yeah, let's do it. She was all in. Watching her be all in on that experience, I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And then when I got the photos in my computer and edited them in black and white. I was like, like chills, gut instinct, truly, truly gut instinct. I was like, I think there's something here. I did not know at the time anything like what it, what it has become. But in that moment, I was like, creatively, this is a nudge. There, there is something, there's something here that I think would resonate with people. And I wasn't positive, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to follow that creative nudge. And so the Moody Mini was birthed and put out into the world. And and the rest is kind of where we're at now. So what's that second photo shoot like? You've, you know, you've done oh. it in a safe space with a family member, yeah. but are you advertising it or is like a child coming in? You're like, hey, I want to try something weird. Okay, go with me. Of course, of course. I am so fortunate to have people in my life that were like, sure, you can experiment with my kids. <laughs> uh, they. So I had my next set was with uh, really dear friends of ours and they had two kids and we've known them since birth. And um, she saw that picture, a set of pictures that I put up of, of my niece. And she was like, oh, I love those. Um, if you'd be willing, I'd love for you to do those of my kids. And I was like, really? Like, people would want that. I didn't believe it. I was like, I just felt like it was so different than what you see today. You know, most of the kids are happy and dressed perfect to the nines and in a beautiful sunflower field at golden hour. And like, that's what most of society wants right now. And I was like, this just feels like something that people may not want. And she was like, no, I love it. It, it is, they're powerful. And to this day, their pictures are actually hanging out there um, in the hallway outside their bedroom window so they can walk by them every morning. And so from mm. there, I mean, even from those early sessions, there was things that I was already realizing that I could do to help these kids be really comfortable. And and they are some of the things that I still do to this day. What type of things? I uh, The intentionality behind these sessions has grown as popularity and feedback um, has come from the internet. Sitting in front of a camera for anybody is incredibly vulnerable. You are being perceived in a very intimate way, like especially in the context of it being just you. A lot of these kids, mm-hmm. the first thing I ask them is, have you ever been in a photo shoot where it's just you? 
not your family, not you and your siblings, just you. And most of them are like, no, you know, maybe a couple of photos in one of those sessions. But for a lot of them, this is the first. So I try to just always be mindful that this is their first time being really exposed. And so every little um, nonverbal that I can send to them, like you may not be in control that you're here. Your parents hired me. You're doing a photo <laughs> shoot. I get it. I totally get it. Some of them want to be there. Some of them don't. But for those kids that uh, for all of them, I just try to do everything I can to make them feel in control in a situation where they're not really in control. So that's, I never stand over them when I'm talking to them at first. I am sitting on the ground, so they're higher than I am. And that may seem silly, but those little things make a difference. I'm starting with consent. Okay, your parents signed this model release form. They're okay with me filming these sessions for my TikToks and my Instagram. Are you comfortable with that? Um, are you, are you comfortable if I move your hair, if it gets a little messed up, if not, you can fix it. We can pause. You can go to the mirror, but are you okay if I do it? Things like that make, um, I've noticed have made a big difference. And I just, I try to talk to them like they're people, not kids. I think a lot of times, you know, when we're working with kids, it can, it can feel, um, uh, they, I think feel like it's always people telling them what they need to do, especially teens. Like, you know, so everybody's telling me what I need to do and what I don't need to do and how I need to look and how I need to act. And I just try to remember one day this kid's going to be 35, you know, they're going to, they're going to be a, an adult. And so why not talk to them at an appropriate level, obviously, but just treat them like the people that they are. And yeah. I'm, it makes a big difference. It really does. You've just empowered them by choice and everybody wants to have, feel like they have that choice or that autonomy over themselves. It doesn't really matter. Like we think, when does that like clock in when you turn 21? Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's there all the time. And like, I think that they instantly appreciate it. And some kids are still never going to be like, this is my jam. I love this. Take my picture. <laughs> but I think uh, most of them have, have left feeling like, oh, that was a very different experience than I'm used to, but also really easy and relaxed and, and confidence boosting one. I love this philosophy where it basically the whole kind of banner it sits under is just what happens when you let someone smile only when they want to. Oh, yeah. My question is what does happen? Oh, it is the thing that keeps me doing this. Truly, truly, those moments where – you know, we've been taking pictures for a while, chatting about everything under the sun, from video games to whatever. And there's always every session that I've ever done, there's this moment where they get out of their head. And when they get out of their head and they don't feel pressure to be performative in any way, and they all of a sudden, that's the shot. And it's like this vibe just goes across the room. It, it, I know it sounds so dramatic, but it really is a moment. And that's usually these photos that I'm sharing on social are those moments, are the moments yeah. where they drop the mask and they can just, they're themselves and they're just hanging out and they're wearing their hair the way they want and wearing that hoodie that they never take off. But like, you know, it's, it's them and you see it and they relax into it and you're like, ah, oh, there it is, there it is. And I, I love it so much. And what's funny is when you take away the pressure to be performative and to be what everybody thinks you should be in pictures, happy and smiley and joyful. Um, you would be surprised the most joyful pictures that I could get. I, most of these galleries that I send include very beautiful, happy, smiling pictures, but they're so much more natural <laughs> because they're just hanging out. We're just having a moment and, and you capture it and it's, um, they're just as impactful. 
I want to talk about what these photos have brought out in people by when it, it did go viral. And the comments on your TikTok are incredible. People have said, you helped inner, heal my inner child. They look powerful. They look authentic. This has healed something in me. Thank you for doing it. The fact that this made me tear up tells me that I have some healing to do. I wish I could be a kid again so I could someone could do this for me. This somehow has made me cry for my younger and current self. I wish I knew who I actually was. There's so much to unpack there, what this is brought out for people. But for you read, reading this stuff. Yeah. I did not set out to do this and it be something profound and impactful. I wish that I could, you know, say that I had that forethought that, oh my gosh, this is going to be something. But the hundreds, I cannot even express to you the hundreds of messages that I have received between Instagram and TikTok and even just from my website, like people just writing in and like telling their stories of, I mean, everything from parents that didn't realize that they were projecting things that happened to them and, and expectations that were on them when they were younger and that they're doing it to their kids and didn't even realize to, you know, I've had grandparents send me messages like, you know, that's just the way that we were raised. Like you were supposed to look your best and be your best and be these perfect little kids. And now I'm taking pictures of my grandkids and not forcing them to smile. And, um, people that are neurodivergent, so many neurodivergent people messaging me and just being like, I've avoid, avoided pictures my whole life because the pressure to do that. And that is not something that comes natural to me. And the women, the women mm. just being like my entire life, I was told that I needed to look like this and act like this and to make other people comfortable and seeing these girls, especially, but even regardless of gender, seeing these kids allowed to be just themselves. I think it's giving people permission to acknowledge that I don't know if I've ever felt that. And for me, in hindsight, looking back in my 20s, I feel like that's when I experienced it the most. You, I had kids and I lost my identity. And then, you know, you get back on social and you're posting, and you're doing your thing, and you post a selfie. And I've always felt more comfortable not smiling in my own pictures. And I literally would get that feedback too. Like, you, you know, why you your pictures look better when you're happy. What's, you know, you look so moody and, and it creates this narrative in your head where you're, you shrink yourself and you shrink yourself so much to fit into what everybody expects you to look like and act like and be like, it's a lot, it's a lot yeah. to sink in. And I'm just so thankful that, um, people feel comfortable even sharing those stories with me because it's like, okay, I feel like we're, we're doing a collective of healing in, in a way. And it's, it's really impactful. I think women, constantly find another layer of something they haven't unpacked as we yes. learn yes. as we learn more about how we grew up and as society continues to change we're like oh there's another yeah. thing there's another yeah. thing it's like oh I need permission to not smile like mm. when you really say that out loud and you think back of how many times like that even if it's not spoken it's like an expectation and it's like dang that's that's more prevalent than you would think I love how you word it as you're finding these people's origin story. Yeah, yeah. What do you feel like you find when you let them sit into themselves? It's not just about the not smiling, but when they sit into themselves, are they revealing parts of their personality? What do you get? What's the magic you get to see? Oh, I love, this is such a good question too, because it is so much more than just not letting people smile if they don't want to. It is every, I send um, a message to parents before the kids even come in my door of, listen, 
I really encourage you to let them pick their outfits, to let them do their hair the way that they want to. I have taken so many pictures of Crocs. You would not believe it. It's the best. Like, and I, I mean, these kids coming in in like tool rainbow skirts with fur coats. And I just, oh, it's so much fun, but it's part of it. They walk in and from the moment you get to see them They've picked their outfit. You can absolutely tell when they have had the permission to pick their outfit and do their hair the way that they want. And they walk in so much more comfortable from the jump. Mm -hmm. And I think that even from the beginning says so much about who they are. When you give them the freedom of expression, even as simple as having control over their outfit, we start talking about, you know, things that they want to talk about. Like, what are you doing today? Like, Like talking to them like a person instead of like, you know, what's your favorite color? It makes a difference. They feel like mm. they can be themselves. And um, it it produces these images. And my favorite thing, I did a TikTok about this as well, uh, taking kids from their first photo to their last photo um, in these sessions. And it is staggering. It is my probably my second favorite part of doing these. And uh, my husband is so sick of me because I'm always like, <laughs> look at this. Look at Look at where they started. Look where they ended. It is a transformation. So many, especially my girls, but uh, all of them do it to an extent. Um, you know, they'll get in that first picture and they'll be really demure and they're, you know, put on their sweet, sweet smile and, and you know, hands in their lap and look so adorable. But it also looks so uncomfortable and they don't even realize it. I think that's been a really powerful thing for me of realizing how young that starts of just like there's a camera in my face beyond and then by the time they get to the end it's like oh there you are there you are I I see that chin being held high I see that side eye in the good way like it is oh it's my favorite it's my favorite to see that transformation because I don't think kids get to do that they don't get to feel that way um very often so I always hope that they leave feeling like oh you can carry that out into the real world so And so many of these photos are in black and white. And you shared this quote that I'm not going to do justice, which is that um, when you photograph in color, you photograph clothing. But when you photograph in black and white, you capture someone's soul. And for someone who, you know, knows photography only through their iPhone and like putting a filter and being like, oh, it's been made moody. What is a photographer's relationship to black and white? I, I, I love these types of questions too, because I absolutely love color photos. I love happy, joyful photos. I have so many of them of my own family. I have no stance against them. But for me, creatively, I feel like it's a contrast that creates a feeling. There's this expectation just instinctually to see children in bright, happy, colorful clothing, fun props, fun background, so much joy, because that's what we associate with kids in general. And but that's not always the case. And so I do feel like when you strip the color out of a photo and you strip the fun clothing and, and the cutesy props and the cutesy poses, it makes you pause. And that pause is where there's a feeling. It, it takes it from a photo to a feeling, truly. And you have this moment of like, I feel like there's something there for that person. Like there's, there's so much more than this picture for that person. That's what it does for me. That it, it was never a question for me whether I was going to. I love editing in color. I I sometimes include them in certain circumstances, and you'll see them. You know, to break up my my feed, I'll I'll put some color in there a little bit. But like, there is just something about a black and white photo that stops you and makes you look at it and look at it more than the superficial way, and that is just timeless to me. 
My final question is, as a creative, like I'm also a creative, you know, we have goals of the things that we want to do. And for actors, it can be like, my dream role is this. Or for writers, it's like, I want to write on this network or I want to write a book, I want to write a play. As a photographer, what's the shoot for the moon? Is it is it finding the perfect golden hour? Is it the subject? Is it the landscape? What What is the, to you, in your world, what's your mm-hmm. shoot for the moon? For me, if we're talking about in my business, like Brooklight Photography, like where I want to go and what I want to do, I would absolutely love to get in the circle of celebrities. And let me tell you, it is not for the superficial reason. That group of people has access to any photographer that they could ever want in their entire life. You know, I wouldn't even need them to share my images with the world. It could be completely my own. I could care less about the fame, but having access to people that have access to immense talent, the honor and validation of like being able to be in the circle of celebrities, like taking pictures of their kids Everything. That's top tier goals right there. But in the day-to-day of sitting in these sessions, it's that moment that I talked about earlier. When those kids, are you can tell, are completely comfortable in the moment that they can let go of everything. And just that moment where they're feeling it. They're feeling themselves in that moment. And, oh, gosh, you just don't get to see it in kids. And so when you do, and I'm there to capture it, there is nothing there's nothing more validating. That is for me. That is it. That moment of like lighting coming together, vibe coming together, they are themselves. And it's just like, ah, you know it, you know it instantly. I lied. That's not going to be my last question. Cause I want to know <laughs> one more question. <laughs> Do it. I want to know one more question because this did go viral and the comments, the, the amount of views, what has changed in the booking system of your world? Like how busy are you with these mini moody sessions now? Because is this what you just described as the dream? Is like, are you just getting to do it? Yeah. No, it, it, listen, this is a public service announcement. I'm going to use this platform. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm behind on my emails to any and everybody that has ever messaged me. I am a one woman show and we are making it happen, but it is slow. Um, no, it has been incredible. I have been flooded with so so many people wanting this all over the United States internationally like it has been overwhelming in the best of ways but I truly truly am playing immense catch up but they're all requesting this they want this for their kids and and people messaging me and say you know I sat down with my kid and showed them your pictures and they were just so relieved that this is even an option. You know, I want to get in. Are you coming to this area? Are you coming to that area? And like the greatest compliment I have ever received was a couple weeks ago when I was on tour in a, in a city doing some of these shoots and a parent pulled me aside and was like, it is incredibly powerful to watch somebody doing what they are supposed to do. It, t- it chokes me up every time, even now, like I was somebody that searched and searched and felt like everybody has their thing. They're doing their thing, what they're supposed to do. And I had no idea what I was supposed to do. You know, I am so much closer to 40 than I am to my 20s. And all of my 20s and 30s were like feeling a little off. Like I'm creative, but I'm also organized. You know, I love being a corporate girly and like just kind of a little lost in the sauce. Mm -hmm. And I, um, it feels right. It feels right. Yeah. I think that's the perfect place to end it. Thank you so much, Brooke. That was so wonderful to hear your story and that you're just, you found the thing and you're doing it well and people love it. Thank you so much. It is a joy to do it and it's extra fun getting to talk about it and share it with people and having more and more people get exposure to it and looking for it for themselves. I I love it. 
This podcast is made on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Thank you so much for listening. If you know a great story, a wonderful person, or just a good old fact that you think we should cover, jump into our DMs and let us know. Good Great Wonderful is produced and hosted by me, Grace Rufray, with audio production by Adair Shepherd and theme music composed by Simon Beaton. See you next week. <laughs>